0: This is the Easy Living Yards Podcast. I'm Ben Hale, your host that's interior design illiterate. Let's jump in and learn how to have a healthy, beautiful yard with less work so you can enjoy more time doing what you love. What's up and welcome to episode 69 of the Easy Living Yards podcast. Today I've got an interesting one for you here. We're going to be talking about exterior interior design. That's right. It's kind of a mouthful. But basically what we've done is I've been a guest interviewee on the Big Design Small Budget podcast with Betsy Helmuth from affordable interior design. I had the good fortune to be on her show and had a wonderful time talking with her. And I wanted to share this interview show with you. Um, I do apologize in advance. The audio quality turned out horrible (laughs) on my end, unfortunately. So something happened with the mic hookup and, uh, we conducted the interview and afterward uh, found out that, yeah, the audio was horrible. So, Betsy, if you're listening, I sincerely apologize for the uh, the issue, and uh, I'm pretty sure it was on my end. Uh, my audio sounds really bad so anyway if you guys can stick through the audio uh, i'm warning you in advance that it's not the greatest but uh, it was a great show a wonderful discussion i had a great time talking with betsy and i want to share that with you guys today so i'm not going to mess around anymore i'm going to let us jump right into the show and i'll follow up with you after the end
1: do you have a space that could use some sprucing up Do you wish that you could work with affordable interior design, but you're not located in New York or Washington DC or London? no worries. We have the perfect plan for you. It's called our virtual makeover plan. Completely redesign one room for $499 with one of our professionals. All you need to do is send in pictures, measurements, and our design style questionnaire, and you can launch in with one of our pros to have a tailor-made design plan that suits both your style and your budget. Reach out to us today at info at affordableinteriordesign.com or give us a ring at 888-513-3744 to learn more about our virtual makeover plan and to get started on your transformation today. Mention promo code podcast when you book and get $25 off any of our design plans.
0: need a high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look. Be your own interior designer with big design, small budget. Here's your host, Betsy Helmuth.
1: Hi, everybody. We are here today with a guest, a special guest. And what makes this perfect timing is that at least here in the Northeast, things are getting warmer. It's getting sunnier. I'm starting to think about going outside now that the snow is almost melted. And one thing that you may have heard in previous podcasts that absolutely paralyzes me is anything having to do with plant design. Plants in general, the P word um, is somewhat of a phobia of mine. I do not have a green thumb. I find them very aesthetically pleasing, like small sculptures, but I have no idea how to keep them alive. And that is where our guest comes in today. His name is Ben Hale, and he has a website as well as a podcast, Easy Living Yards. And he's going to talk to us today about DIY landscaping. Just in time for spring, I'm so glad you could join us, Ben. Tell us more about yourself.
0: Hi, Betsy. I'm so glad to be here. So thank you for having me. I uh, Like you said, I have a podcast. So Easy Living Yards is my podcast and also the name of my website. And essentially what I do is I help DIY landscapers uh, learn how to have a healthy and a beautiful landscape that they love so they can spend more time doing what they love. And so it's it's perfect for people like yourself who know nothing about plants but want to have a beautiful landscape or just are kind of you know scared or intimidating. I'll, I'll admit this is kind of a scary thing process interior design is a scary thing to me as well <laughs> and um and so essentially what i try to do is help get through some of those barriers to confidence and to show step by step the process of of redesigning your landscape to have a landscape that you don't have to be out working on all the time just to have that be. and so something you can be proud of and something that saves you time at the same time so that's essentially what i try to do over
1: Great. Yeah, because outside my house, if you were listening to my podcast last week, she's not so cute. In and of herself, structurally outside, she's pretty plain. Inside, of course, there's lovely, beautiful drapes, artwork. But I was really stumped as to how to make this architecture more visually appealing. And then I realized I can make the architecture more visually appealing by the things I put around it, the plants. So I hired a designer to create it, but then I ultimately went out and bought the plants and it was crazy. The plants are very expensive. (laughs) They range from like $30 for something all the way up to $450 for like a tall evergreen. So I really had sticker shock because those prices are very similar to furniture. What are some common mistakes that people make when picking out plants for their yard?
0: Well, yeah, that's, that's exactly one of the, the problems is, is people do have sticker shock. You get to the planting part, and that's, that's actually the part most people think about is the plants. Uh, and, and really, landscape design is so much more than that. It's, it's kind of like if you think about uh, trying to put a painting on your wall. Well, first, you want to design the whole room inside your home first and, and figure out, where your furniture is going. Probably I, again, I'm not the, the designer expert, but I'm guessing what you want to do is have a good floor plan. especially if you're thinking feng shui, like I know you've talked about on your podcast before you want to figure out the right floor plan and the right overall structure and feel of your room before you think about the, the specific painting and where it goes. And the same goes for plants outside. And, and so instead you want to think about design and your overall landscape, what feeling, what, uh, what sort of, um, Ambiance you want to have or what emotion you want to have or, or your visitors to have or just what look or style you want as well. Sometimes it's more of a, a style thing and, and so you figure that out first and then go to the plants and so uh, I just touched on that. Uh, coming back to your question, the first piece is really um, not doing the design part.
1: Oh, what do you do first? Like mow? What, what's your... Right. right. Inside. You have
0: mm. to do it, right? You have to vacuum, you have to dust, but it doesn't help change your design. And so, and so the first step really outdoors is, is starting to get concepts into place and design. So what's your vision for your landscape? What is your, your design that you want to have? How do you want to uh, enhance the architecture like you were talking about? Um, And and you figure out those things first. and, And you also understand the conditions of your site, too, because we're talking about living things here. And so plants, you know, they're not made of plastic. And so we have to understand what helps them to thrive and survive in your landscape. And so all those things happen first. And then you start to figure out, okay, what types of plants do I want from a structural and artistic standpoint? And then you go all the way down to what types of plants do I want from a... A visual standpoint what sort of blooms do i want at what time of the year what sort of leaf pattern do i want uh, do i want evergreens or deciduous plants and then you have to understand too what plants of all those situations fit into my landscape so what what adapts best to the type of sun i have and the amount of water i have and the amount of soil so there i know i'm making it sound incredibly complex but what i'm intending to say is is there's a process and do right. the design piece first the other piece you had you asked, what are some common mistakes? The other very big mistake, so planning is the first piece. The next piece is also not budgeting appropriately, which you touched on already, too, is, is a lot of times we get to the the installation phase. We say, oh, let's go out and buy some plants this weekend. You go to your, your local nursery, your your big box store, and all of a sudden you're in sticker shop because there's all these incredibly expensive plants sometimes, uh, especially if you're looking for a specific plant. And it can, be, it can be a little daunting. And so trying to figure out how to buy plants at the right time, what's the best time of year to buy those plants, what and kind of doing some pricing comparisons as well to understand how you can budget appropriately and also then planning out the installation, which includes budgeting. And so you can say, well, maybe we'll plant our tree this year, but maybe in the spring we'll do some of those other plants to kind of uh, lessen the burden purchase.
1: Right, right. And also, I found when I went there to the um, nursery, I really thought that the People would be well informed, which they were. They were very knowledgeable, but they weren't really artistic minded. So they could kind of tell me which plants ticked which boxes. For instance, some of the plants on the list that my designer came up with weren't available or they looked really bad when I got to the nursery. They looked sick. And so I was like, well, what's a good substitution for this? And they could give me that substitution based on the logistics, but the artistry was kind of missing. It's almost like having a contractor pick out your tiles, right? In a renovation, they know a lot about tile, but they really shouldn't artistic choosing it. A designer is so fundamental, in my opinion, based on my recent experience.
0: (laughs) Right. And and so you did one of the the multiple options, which is having somebody do the design for you. And when you have a designer do it, You you do have that expert input, just like an interior designer. We try and design our house right now, and and I'm sure you'd walk in and and just kind of (laughs) look in surprise around our home because it does need a lot of interior design work. And the same goes for the exterior landscape. I can can tell exactly when a home has been professionally designed and when it's been done, you know, kind of just by the person trying to do it themselves.
1: How can you spot that? How can you spot I'm wondering what 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 gives it away that somebody did it themselves versus hiring
0: sure a lot of it goes back to that planning piece it's it's kind of obvious when somebody decided for the weekend that um, hey we need some more plants in our yard let's go to you know home Depot or Lowe's or what what have you right? Our local nursery, and and let's go get some plants. And then they happen to maybe, um, and, and this isn't something necessarily bad. It's just not necessarily the right process. I'm guilty of this, <laughs> and and so then you go to the store. You say, oh, that looks pretty. You know, it's flowering right now. Um, oh, this is on sale, and so let's pick up a couple of these. And then you get back home. You're like, hmm where am I going to put this? Well, maybe there's some space over there. Let's go dig a hole and throw some plants in and then we'll water, right? And so you can see that things weren't done in a cohesive manner that really pulls the whole space together. And so that's the design piece that that really uh, is something that an expert can bring to the table. And and what I'm trying to do with my Easy Living Yards podcast and brand is to bridge that gap, to help show people that there, you can do some of this design work yourself. It, it might not necessarily be you know, an award-winning landscape at the end, but it'll be something that looks nice and feels good and is very welcoming, or maybe even so, relaxing.
1: What's it's a few, so- yeah, speaking of those tips, sure. c- how, what can somebody do that does want it to look designerly but doesn't have the funds to hire a designer? What are a couple of those top tips that you talk about on your podcast?
0: Sure. I, I can touch on a couple of those. So if we, if we go to the the super top level, right, if we're flying at 5,000 feet or whatever, uh, 50,000 feet, I guess is a, is a more appropriate term. Um, there's a couple basic design concepts that are really helpful. And so when we're talking about a landscape, it's similar, I guess, to, in a way to, to painting, maybe um, is, is having a good form unity, order Uh, those are some terms that uh, landscapers use to kind of design a landscape so so if i kind of just distill that down a little bit and make it more um actionable if you look at the front of your house if you just erase everything from the landscape and you just have a, a block of a home on an empty piece of dirt right and and so a lot of times, what contractors do when they build homes is they'll just sprinkle a couple of plants, maybe some boxwoods or some some uh, evergreens right along the base of the foundation, just to kind of ease that start transition because that's really what landscape does is it you take the the rough form of your architecture the inorganic piece and you try and blend it somewhat into the organic space of your landscape and so it's not necessarily a natural or a native place right but it's something that you you kind of naturalize the hard stone or vinyl siding or you know the the physical architecture into the landscape and so a lot of ways you can do that is adding some elements maybe that you can frame it. For example, if you have a lot of vertical accents to your architecture, then you can add some vertical plants that frame your home. Um, And so, for example, we just redid our front landscape at our new home. Uh, Well, it's not new anymore. (laughs) Our our home that we've been remodeling for the past six years. And and finally, we've been able to redo the front landscape. And so what we did is we, we kind of buffered the corners of the house, By adding some vertical evergreens that reach about 15 feet tall to our two-story house. So it really kind of takes away that rough edge of your home. And then we've also added some lower shrubs um, around the home to kind of bring that stark corner again out away from the edge of the home and into the landscape. So it's a lot about transitioning, framing, and repeating certain elements across your landscape. And those elements could be vertical form, the same plant, um, they could be the same color. Uh, they could be the same texture. And so those are ways that if you take that, you know, those those, um, <laughs> those unappealing words of form and unity and function, and that's how you can kind of practically apply it is to to really ease the transition of your home to maybe frame it or to add some symmetry to it into your landscape. So that way it just doesn't look like it's standing out.
1: And now it's time for a quick commercial break. Do you love learning about interior design? Do you wish you could know even more about feng shui, styling your home, where to buy the perfect furniture pieces, and more? Well, you can. We offer online classes. Head over to AffordableInteriorDesign.com, click on the shop tab, and you'll see our three 45-minute online classes. Purchase them one by one for $40 a piece, or get the value pack of all three classes for $90, and we'll throw in the paperback version of our book for free. Heck! I'll even autograph it for you. Be sure to use promo code podcast at checkout to get 15% off your order. I had never thought about kind of transitioning from that stark home to the earth. And, you know, it's even kind of often tiered with those taller pieces in the back towards the house, getting lower towards the yard. And so that's very interesting. And I love those actionable steps of repeating the same plant. Or you know what was very interesting with our designer is we have the unusual high windows in one side of our house and low windows on the other side of our house. It's all in the front, but just on the right-hand side, they're low, and on the left-hand side, the windows are high. And so even though she repeated the same plant elements – in other words, we use boxwoods all along in different smatterings – In between the high windows and the low windows, she did a high peak. It was obvious that she picked plants that were only going to get so high, so they would never block that high window. And then she did something quite Um, see-through. That's probably not the right term. Well, anyway, it was a fairly see-through or not too bushy kind of plant. I don't even know what it is. Uh, In front of the low windows. So we get privacy. Loose form, of course. So she did a loose form flowering something or other in front of that lower window so we have privacy, but we can still get light through. So it's funny hearing you explain why somebody would do that. I can see her practical application of that.
0: Yeah, those are actually great examples of of when you get to the, the actual part of selecting your plants. You're, you're, you've got a couple categories. One, you have selecting for structure and size and those sorts of things. And then you're also selecting for the compatibility of the plant to your space. And I kind of touched on mm. both of those already. But in more detail, um, yeah, you want to make sure you don't block any views from your home. You don't have a plant that is gonna grow so big that it's going to be you know, touching your gutters or something or touching power lines. Uh, those are common, common problems. It is not planning for the mature size of the plant. And likewise, if you're planting a, a large plant right next to your foundation, it can cause massive foundation issues too. And so you really wanna plan for those things, plan for the future essentially. And, and likewise, um, when it comes to the plant selection, not only are you thinking about the structure and, and you know the whether it's a loose form plant or not you're also thinking about again uh, understanding what how the sun is on the front of your home versus the back of your home wherever you're planning this um project so if, if for example in our home our our front of our house faces south so it gets a lot of sun exposure during the winter and during the summer and we live in the uh, the midwest and so um and so we, even during the winter, that area of our home is, is usually 10 to 20 degrees warmer than the back of our home, which faces north. And so that changes the plant selection for those spaces. And, and likewise, whether how much water, how much rainfall you have um, for your climate, as well as the specific space, does water pool there or does it run off quickly? All of those things factor into what plants you select. The Without sounding overwhelming, the wonderful opportunity we have is with the advent of the internet uh, I think I just think I just saw on Google it's, it's thirty
1: Yeah, years happy years birthday, birthday, World Wide Web. Yeah. I was thinking today as I saw that banner on Google. I was thinking today how grateful I am. And for those of you oh, who yes. can remember before the World Wide Web, I don't know if you can, Ben, but I can and those were dark days. Like I had to use card catalogs at the library. When you didn't have an answer, you just we're out of luck well then you must be in the midwest yeah um because i grew up in the midwest and we get everything a little later out there um so anyway i got the world wide web yeah when i was about 15 but it had been around for a while before i actually got it um. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> now something that came up for me when discussing style is, you know, I know styles in terms of interior design. There's transitional, traditional, modern, eclectic. But what about for landscape? Do you guys have words for that, like the different um, styles?
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll be certainly honest. I'm not up to par on all the words to the different styles, <laughs> but I can tell you that there are different styles that work for different spaces. And so, for example, if you have a very modern, right? So if you have a home that maybe was built with uh, the idea of like, say cubism in mind, well, you have a very eclectic home or you have a, um, maybe even, you know what, I might lump like a, a Southwestern architecture home in this category as well. So you have very very right angle structures, um, maybe very simple features, but replicated over a wide space. What you would do in that landscape would be very different than um, what you would do in your typical American craftsman style or your seaside architecture home. So each of these types of architectures do have different themes that match up with them. And so, for example, if you take your modern home, you would you would essentially do similar things to your landscape that might enhance the architecture of your home. So you have a very stark architecture that stands out. And so, by doing the, the blending techniques or the framing techniques that I was talking about earlier, it might actually take away from that architecture. Hmm. And so, of course, these are these are very broad generalizations, and, and you can get very artistic, you know, very progressive with some of these ideas. But in general. Say, for example, if you had a very modern home, which isn't very common, uh, you would actually have maybe broader expanses of the same repeated element across the space and maybe very specific shapes that kind of somewhat mirror the home or draw the eye to certain parts of the home um, and and don't necessarily take away from the architecture, if that makes sense. Now, if you have a more, um, I guess, traditional home that's pretty, I guess, commonplace, then, then that goes kind of into those broader themes of what we talked about about just framing the home and transitioning the landscape um, from you know your lawn to your home you want to have some transition elements in between and those are good generalizations that can help you with that and of course if you have i mentioned like a seaside architecture so if you have first of all if you live on the coast uh, the the work you do there might be a lot different to your landscape to to really have a theme that kind of gives that ambiance of, of being on the, the seashore right And so you have a lot of maybe rock elements or sand elements in your space and then very specific plants like grass like tall uh featured grasses and, and, and kind of drifts and clumps across the space and maybe some uh shrubs that you know give that kind of weathered look that gnarly appearance appearance that that shows the, the windy nature of the space and, and the kind of the transitional nature of the space. So what you do in the different architectures are certainly different. And there are these themes, but again, they a lot of times they, they kind of go along.
1: Right, that's interesting because in interior design, we definitely factor in the architecture as one of the decision makers in terms of what style will go with inside. But you don't follow it literally if your style doesn't match with the architecture. For instance, my architecture is, you know, my house was built in 1913. It's a little bit older. It's very craftsman style and a little bit chunky in terms of the moldings are chunky. The doorways are chunky. The doors are thick and chunky. And that's really not my style at all. So I kind of brought a mid-century lightness with, you know, furniture with legs and smaller seating areas, things like that to the space. And it sounds like that's not really how you do it in landscaping. In landscaping, you really do feed off the architecture. It's not such a symbiotic relationship.
0: I I would say yes and no. Um, So yes, and and that's the general theme, I would say. But if if like you're saying where you don't want to feel constrained or or trapped or confined by the home you have, right, And, and that's from an interior perspective, you can do the same from an exterior perspective, but you really have to be careful to make sure it kind of matches or flows with the architecture, kind of, you know, feeds off each other and enhances the space as opposed to taking away from it. So, for example, with your American craftsman-style home, or or even, like, a fancier, like, Victorian-style home, for example, where some of those features are really nice, if you're putting, you know, large or medium-sized trees in front of your, your home, that could kind of detract from that beautiful architecture, those features on your home that you really want to enhance. So there's, I guess, an example of, of kind of how you have to be careful. Right. Um, now that said, I, I, I guess, that, you know, we couldn't call, We could also talk about some general landscaping themes for your previous question, which is, uh, you know, something that I'm a huge fan of, and uh, it's becoming more and more common. Is like naturalized type landscapes, bringing natural elements or even native type elements into the landscape. You could in a very. Beautiful
1: what do you mean by that? Like, because yeah. do you mean something that's not a plant? Like, a- no, this is oh. Um, oh,
0: okay. So, so, like, native landscaping or naturalized spaces. Th- there's a movement called the new perennial movement. And so, for example, in New York, the the High Line, which is a very popular
1: oh, yeah. park,
0: and Chicago Millennium Park is also designed in a new perennial style. Those are actually both designed by this Dutch gardener uh, named Pete Aldolf, and 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 he's brought this this love of actually American uh, prairie plants to landscaping and enjoying actually the dead features of these plants. So letting them grow throughout the winter as they die off and, you know, they die back to the ground each winter. Well, they have beautiful architectural features in themselves. And so, um, kind of using that as an artistic piece, I know it sounds a little scary right now. (laughs) Um, bringing those in is an artistic piece so specific plants grasses are a great example so think of a, a dead grass has that beautiful golden hue to it some grasses even have deep browns or reds or or even a kind of purple amber color and they also bring wonderful sound to the landscape and movement in a time where things feel lacking in life and so that's a big challenge with landscaping is what do you do for the winter That's where evergreens come into play and also a lot of these textural elements. And that's what, um, for example, like the new perennial movement can do is bring in some of these, these textural elements. And I guess the other piece too, is you, you do have various like culturally themed gardens. So you can have like an English cottage style garden or a Japanese inspired garden, for example, or um, these very modern style gardens too, which, which are more uh, uniform and and that sort of thing. So, so there are some specific themes, but those are, you know, those are kind of like advanced techniques.
1: Yeah. That's 2.0. 2.0, Ben. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Well, well, I have one last question on that because it is so interesting that you say that. Uh, We're coming out of winter and we bought these plants and had them planted in October. Uh, It was at the end of the season, of course. So they almost immediately, for all intents and purposes, died, right? They look really ugly. You have no idea what they're going to become again. I sort of faintly remember what they look like before everything died. And it's very interesting because out here in the Northeast, we have a long winter. It feels long. It feels so long. From October till probably late April, things aren't going to have leaves or look alive again. It's very interesting to think about what it looks like, quote unquote, dead, because we're with them in this state for so long. I picked some ugly dead plants. <laughs> I'm going to put that out there. They do not look cute in any way. And I kind of had evergreen envy the other day because the places we did put evergreens or the houses that have more evergreens, it looks so much nicer for so many more months of the year. But I love this idea of thinking that of them as like that visual texture, like a grass or something like that, that it still has some appeal Or maybe I'm just looking at my plants wrong. Maybe they do have a peel, even looking like little dead twigs.
0: There's kind of two pieces. That one is is the real piece of thinking, well, it's dead. It's got to get removed and cleaned out. That's kind of the typical process. Uh, and it kind of comes from the, the English gardening uh, background and, and a lot of other gardening backgrounds too. But, uh, you know, cleaning out all that dead material. But the cool thing is I, I do have a little bit of love for ecology and, and su- sustainable design as well. So the cool thing that really helped me appreciate these plants Instead of just looking at it as dead material, is is there also homes for a lot of really good insects? There are actually good insects out there, <laughs> and um, and so these are pollinators and, and various insects you know that actually um, help the plants thrive uh, and and bring really kind of just some goodness. They help feed birds, for example, too. And so it's kind of these these other little wonderful bits that you don't realize. And so leaving this dead material has it can have, if you plant it properly, it can have a beautiful structural piece to it and textural piece. But it can also have this kind of secondary benefit of helping the, the broader landscape, as I like to call it. And um, you kind of talked about, yeah. So there are these different plants that can be really wonderful. One of my favorite plants right now. This is I, every day I have a different favorite plant. But one of the <laughs> one of the common favorites right now is this beautiful. Um, prairie native to the the um, Midwestern and Western Prairie, uh, which is called Prairie Drop Seed. And it's this beautiful wispy grass. And uh, it's so beautiful. And when it's growing, it's this bright green uh, pom-pom ball, basically. And it grows about two feet tall. And then it shoots these little seed heads up that are beautiful and wispy. And they actually smell really good, too, which is a cool thing. And then um, after, after it gets cold, and so come October or whatever, they start to brown up And they still have this beautiful, lovely texture. And it's kind of that that process of change is something that's a lot different than inside of your home, for example, is, is the landscape's always changing. So you always have things growing, coming into bloom, and then fading away. And so the winter is a tough time that in a lot of people's eyes. And so if you plan for it, like we talked about, you know, planning is a major thing. So if you plan for it, you can have beautiful trees and shrubs in your space. You can have beautiful evergreens that then come into their own. They really start to stand out in the winter months, but you don't want to have, you know, just evergreens on your landscape and that's it because it can be almost overdone. And, um, and then it's kind of lacking the rest of the year. It doesn't. And so that's the wonderful thing is, is then you get this beautiful refreshing in the spring. And everything kind of just takes a big, deep breath in and starts to show all this beautiful wonder that we think about as springtime. And uh, so touching on winter, though, winter, because it's a tough time, I like to talk about it. And so like prairie drop seed and these other grasses, and they don't have to be native grasses, right? They don't have to be native plants. Um, I have kind of a growing a, a love for them, but because they're underappreciated. So there's this other cool plant. When we're talking about a tree, for example, if you're thinking of a tree, thinking of the bark and the pattern the bark has. So if you think of looking down like a a typical creek um, here in the Midwest, sycamores are these beautiful trees that have this lovely white bark and, and they stand out. You can see it from almost a mile away just by their lovely white bark. And so uh, similar in the smaller landscape in your home, you don't want to necessarily have this giant, giant sycamore tree because it wouldn't fit in our landscape. But river birch is a wonderful tree. It has this beautiful peeling paper bark on it, or, or there's also a paper birch. And it has this lovely bark that that has its own interesting appeal in the winter months when there's no leaves. You have this beautiful kind of orangish, whitish bark that's kind of peeling off and drawing the eye into the landscape. So it's thinking about these other elements. And again, we're probably getting to 2.0 stuff here, like you said earlier. Uh, I get a little too excited here.
1: Yeah, that's great. Well, you know, you've got me. Appreciating plants in a new way, looking at those details, even when the plant is not in bloom, right? Looking at the bark, looking at the shape of the branches, looking at what happens to it in the fall as it is deteriorating or whatever the word is, deciduating, um, something D that's not dead. But, (laughs) but anyway, so I really appreciate you coming on, really appreciate you coming on and telling us about this because, um, I am not plant progressive. And it's time for me to join this bandwagon because I'm seeing why you're so passionate, Ben. And speaking of, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you? Well, really quickly, I'm already sensing that because I really didn't pick these plants out with that in mind, nor did I emphasize it to my designer. And now I'm like, Whoa! I hate the way these plants look in the winter. I don't care if they're homes for animals and insects. Get out of here! So now I want to replant everything. I'm looking to buy a small tree, and I'm going to check out this paper birch. So you've got me already thinking. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's fun.
0: You know, I want to say too. There, there are a couple of great resources that I would love to share. Yeah. So one is the Mi- Missouri Botanical Garden. Plant Finder. I know that's a mouthful. Um, the Missouri Botanical Garden put together this wonderful resource that shares tons of information on all sorts of plants. They grow. They they share basically information of plants. So if you live kind of like in northern Florida, uh, northern Texas region, all the way up to you know almost upstate New York, I would say, or even beyond, probably there are there are a lot of plants that are grow able to grow and adapt in your region that are listed on this wonderful plant database so basically it has pictures of these plants it tells kind of some of their beautiful characteristics and also what conditions they prefer which is the really important piece we talked about And so that's a great way to kind of sift through these plants before you go to the nursery and start looking at stuff to start to figure out what what's the right plant for you and, and, and that can be really helpful. So that's one. And the second is the, the Lady Bird Johnson Wildflower Center. And so this is a center, I believe they're down in Texas. And uh, But they also have this wonderful resource. Their focus is more on native plants. But, again, they highlight these wonderful, beautiful native plants and, and, again, the conditions that they grow in. So the cool thing about these is you can select these little plant filters saying, I have a sunny location. Mm. It gets really wet. I
1: amazing. love a filter. Yeah, that's how I shop on Wayfair. So I am down with this okay. Lady Bird Johnson resource. Yeah, it's all about the filter. I'll go ahead and send you the, the show notes. Yeah. Um,
0: and then likewise, so yeah, uh, anybody that's listening, I would love to share uh, tons of resources, of course. So you can always check out the Easy Living Yards podcast. I'd love you to come by and check out the podcast. Uh, likewise, I, I can offer some free downloads. And so one I have is... Is if you live anywhere, I would say, east of the Rockies in the, in the kind of contiguous United States, I have a wonderful, super easy plant list. I have three plants you can go over and check out. So if you go to easylivingyards.com slash bigdesign, there I'll have a link where you can download that resource. And likewise, this is a surprise, but I just opened up my membership, and I'd love to share a, a free one-month membership to the Easy Living Yards membership For anybody that would like to come and check it out and join, and what the Easy Living Yards membership is, is a a resource of from start to finish. I have courses that take you through the process of figuring out this planning piece that's really scary, and also figuring out what plants you need before you get into the design pro or to the the installation process. And then I also have uh, course material that walks you through that installation process. So right now, when we're just opening, we have stuff with the design process and throughout the year i'll be adding all those installation pieces so that you can have a wonderful beautiful garden by uh, end of this season going into next year so if you want to check that out i'll have a link uh, where you can get your free
1: Great. Well, Ben, I really appreciate this wealth of knowledge. I do have a newfound appreciation for plants. It came a little too late considering I planted in October, but but <laughs> I'll be back at the nursery soon, I think. And I'm so glad you joined us. Thanks for your wealth of knowledge, and we'll be seeing you on Easy Living. Your-
0: Thanks so much, Bessie. I really had a fun time coming out.
1: Bye. Are you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, there is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month.
0: All right. You still there? Ouch. That audio was really bad. I apologize for that, but the content was wonderful. It was so much fun talking with Betsy. So Betsy, again, Thank you for this wonderful opportunity to be on the show, and thank you guys for listening as well. I hope you've gotten some good value. You know, this is kind of like one of those shows where it just kind of wraps up a bunch of stuff into a small package, so that way you can get a ton of information really fast with a short period of time. So that's kind of what these guest interview shows do, is they kind of really bundle up a bunch of the stuff we talk about on this show and, and kind of bring it together in a in a smaller um, just, timeframe. And so anyway, um, I hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, I will share some of those links that we talked about. So there are those giveaways that we talked about in the show uh, that I shared with the Big Design Small Budget Group. And so likewise, I'll give you a link to that as well. You can go to how slash big design to get to it. And there's a link in the show notes. Likewise, if you are ready to really make a transformation with your landscape really make a positive change and save time in the long run with your life through your landscape and enjoy your landscape at the same time, then the ELY membership is right for you. So if you're ready to transform with confidence, check out the ELY membership. There's a link in the show notes. Likewise, you can always go to ELY.how slash membership. As always, if you have a quick question, you can go over to ELY.how slash pod and right at the top of the page, uh, there's a button that says, ask a question. Also, make sure you check out Betsy Helmuth's podcast and website. She has a ton of amazing content on interior design. So again, her business is called Affordable Interior Design. You can find it over at affordableinteriordesign.com. I'll have a link in the show notes you can check out. And likewise, her podcast is called Big Design, Small Budget. And as it's pretty much self-explanatory, she focuses on Interior design tips and tricks and things you can do on a limited budget to really make your house pop. I can use a ton of help with this. I actually love her podcast. She has a ton of cool tips and tricks, and likewise, she does a ton of Q and A shows where she has people call uh, in with a question. She reads them out or you know emails questions to her, and and then she answers those questions with uh, some great examples. So if you need help with your interior design work, make sure you check out her business. Her website again is affordableinteriordesign.com. She also has a rapidly growing brick and mortar business in multiple locations across the States. Go check it out. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in. Make sure you live with passion and make tomorrow better than today.